Good day and welcome to Fisher Yanjori's Fiction Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the media support of KBS Global Group. My name is Fisher Yanjori. Welcome. About a quarter past six in the evening, on the first day of July, Chief Iginema Oko's re-election was announced by the chairman of Gulungulun's electoral body, Neck. The man whose neck seemed as big as his head, making him look like a cobra wearing a blue cap, made the announcement in front of a crowd of press officials and restless party loyalists. It was an easy job for him. The crowd was on his side. The winners have been preparing for a celebration. The losers, the sweepers union, knew that they had lost. The two groups would have been alarmed if the polls had gone contrary to their expectations. Earlier in the day, about a thousand women of the armed forces dispatched to a camp of terrorists said to be of castrated men who were hiding in a forest near Akure had been brought back in body bags or drowned in Owena River. According to reports, a few of them had been abducted. All the terrorists had removed the tracking device lodged under their skin, but the security agents working on months of intelligence gathering got to know of their location. But sometimes news does swallow news like big fishes eat small fishes. President Maoko has sealed his second term victory even before the campaign started, long before feminists saw similarities between the man and Mandela. Before the entire nation went to the pools, before the political parties were on the streets to share food packs and clothes and bowls of branded baseball caps inverted from China, all in the bid to lure voters. Before all this, Chief Igidimaoko had won. The anger of the women and of the few men who could keep the thing between their legs in check the anger of the men who were too self-confident knowing they would never be like the evil pests troubling women everywhere. This anger brought about the idea of castration for the criminals. The idea had been floating in the socio-political and socio-economic space before the president jumped on the bandwagon. A golden opportunity to show himself once again as the man of the people. That was Chief Igene Maoko's second term ticket. Chief Maoko's celebration party was unlike any other party in the land of Gulungulun. The president gave a televised broadcast to thank the entire nation for their faith in his leadership, especially women who had been behind his campaign like a rock. He had paid for a million bottles of beer. He wanted whoever is keen to go to the nearest beer depot for a free drink. The ruling party's party at Peacock Square was quite different. The president paid for 20 cows, 60 goats, and he ordered 8,000 bottles of champagne. He brought two large fish tanks for point and kill. 
and the members of the National Commercial Sex Union were at hand to help any man or woman who needed help in the Konko below. <laughs> you will see women with gilly like TV antenna. You will see women with poorly done makeup with faces looking like a child's failed attempt at painting. You will see women looking like they've just stepped out of the pages of a fashion magazine. They came in different shapes and sizes. Men too, different shapes and sizes. The ones with six pack, the obese ones wrapped in their folds of Agbada, thugs and kings, they celebrated together. The president called Lagbaja and Tamedu. You will hear the drum beats of Bata, Gongon and Omele. You will smell suya and marijuana in the air. The plant is not legal. But for that night, you could share a blunt with a police officer without having your house thrown in jail. Gulungulun was I. Wise folks will tell you to always be careful when you are celebrating. Chief Maoko does not exactly fit into the picture of a wise man, but he is not foolish in any way. He is just very much like the devil. Manipulative, charming, focused, crafty is a better word for this man. This man was always many steps ahead of his enemies and opponents. He was celebrating, but he was as alert as those bodyguards who were slavishly dedicated to the safety of their bosses. Chief Maoko was the kind of man that will pay for your poison and watch you drunk while sipping from his water bottle. You would feel safe with this man. And then, there was Fumi Shark, the most feminist of feminists. Fumi Shark was invited to the in-house post ruling party's party at Castle Lodge. It was a gathering of less than a hundred people, including the president's family, the most powerful men and women in Gulungulun. Fumi Shark was a secondary school teacher in her early thirties. She was married to a shark in her late 20s, a marriage that lasted five years. She wanted to have a baby and live a normal life, like most women, but she could not conceive, despite her efforts and her husband's effort. Physically and medically, Mr. and Mrs. Shark did everything they know to do and everything they were told to do. As far as the husband's family was concerned, Fumi was the barren woman, the empty pot, the barrel basu, the empty barrel. She had like a dozen names, all telling her how worthless she was for not having a child. One day, her husband convinced her to meet a man of God who was known for helping women with their kind of situation to have babies. Mr. Shark was not exactly a believer. He was just desperate. In Gulungulun, once you call yourself a man of God, people tend to set their brains aside like a SIM card removed from a phone set. Fumi 
desperate to have a child, agreed to visit this man of God. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that is too hard for my God. Can I get an amen? Fumi was told to sleep in the church premises for two nights. She was expected to fast and pray during the day. And at night, she was expected to expect the visitation of the Spirit that will empower her to have a baby. She was raped. It happened in the dark and she did not know who it was. She couldn't say for sure if it was the pastor. When she talked about it in the morning, the pastor wanted to know why she didn't uh, shout when that was happening. And all the men who worked in the church premises denied spending the night there. The pastor said something about an angelic visitation. But Fumi Shak did not believe the nonsense. <laughs> what, what sort of angels smells of suya? She made a huge mistake of telling her husband about it when she got home. He gave her new names. She became a slut. She became an Ashewo. She became a Jezebel. A Delilah. Useless woman. And when the signs came, he would not stop talking about the bastard that could be in Fumi's womb. She could not continue with all the nonsense. That was how she left her husband, resigned from her school teacher job and became an advocate for rape victims. She decided to keep her husband's surname. She was bitter and she took in the bitterness of thousands of Gulungulung women. She had made up her mind about women long before the popular Twitter hashtag said they were trash. Fumi Shark had come a long way before the administration of Iginemaoku. With time, she had become like the female version of President Maoku. She has learned manipulation, diplomacy, and the ruggedness of a soldier. She was not the kind of woman that would bring a knife to a gunfight. That night, at the victory party at Castle Lodge, she had planned to spend some time with the president, one-on-one, -on -one, to make him realize that the woman who had risked their life to face the vindictive, castrated men the ones the terrorists in the jungles of Akure had killed like chickens. These women deserve much more attention than the nation is giving them. She wanted to make it clear that the nation should not be so blinded by one man's electoral victory that the death of hundreds of women will be taken as minor as lambs slaughtered for Salah. Our people say, <laughs> weeping shouldn't stop you from seeing. If she will not get the president's attention, she will post something on Twitter. Something that will talk about a nation celebrating as if a thousand women had not been killed in active service of the nation. This and that person from within and outside the shores of Gulungulun kept the media busy with their congratulatory messages of how wonderful President Maoko had been during the first time and the goodies to be expected during his second time. It was as if the president paid them or something. Also, at the president's private party, he had many desperate 
top party loyalists, eager to be seen as loyal, bowing their heads, shaking the president's hands, showing their teeth, speaking the president's praise, laughing at everything he said, even if it's not funny, in response to them. Fumi Shark kept her eyes on the man, amused by the psychophants and hypocrites surrounding him. She was prepared for an opportunity. She kept her eyes on her targets like a skilled hunter. It would have been easy for him if she had not been so popular. Oh, you are Fumi Shark, the famous Fumi Shark. Oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you are such an inspiration to women. Is that for me, Shaq? Oh, what a pleasure! C can I have a picture with you, please? That night, the opportunity to speak with the president for a few minutes never came. And besides, what she had in mind seemed contrary to the mood of the night. When it was time for the president to give a vote of thanks, she thanked from a Shaq who had been an inspiration to the women in Gurungurun and in Africa. The president spoke for about two minutes on the unique contributions of Fumi Shark to women empowerment in Africa. That man, Chief Igenema Oku, was like that sort of man that could lie about the way he loves a particular woman. And the woman, aware of the lie, will still love him for his lies. Fumi Shark was on her second bottle of champagne by the end of the vote of thanks. That was when a tall, slim woman with an afro came to her and asked if she could have her attention for, for two minutes. The next day, and the day after it, the media did not mention the women of the armed forces who had been killed in the forests of Akure. Fumi Shark did not tweet about it. The Security Council, led by the Chief of Army Staff, in their secret chambers laughed at this woman who thought military duties would be easy, as easy as looking pretty in military gear. Tafa Shemu, who represented the President at the first security meeting of the new term, was the one who had been paid by the Army Finance Committee to provide training and ammunition for the women. The company he used as a front for the shady deals he got gets the cheapest ammunitions, the ones that had been rejected by the Allied Nations, the ones that had been discarded by the US and Russia, the ones used during the Second World War, the one used during the Cold War. That is the weapon that the man got. The woman who had been set up for death right from the start, there they were, innocent, ignorant, looking pretty in their uniforms, talking about women being as good as men as far as military duties is concerned. Fumi Shark invited a tall, slim woman who had approached her at Castle Lodge to a two-day retreat in her house. You would have thought they were lesbians, but something big was brewing. Something the land of Gulungulun was not prepared for. <laughs> that was what she thought. 
She didn't want to be hasty about the issue the woman has shared with her. Two years ago, an overzealous journalist had accused the president of cheating on his wife, having an affair with one of the cabinet ministers. The president sued for slander and defamation of character. The court wanted the accuser to back his accusations with evidence. The journalist failed and he had to pay the president a million maima for, for damages. The thing is that the unfortunate journalist had to sell his house and the land he had inherited from his father to be able to pay for that suit. When Fumi Shark later tweeted about a woman who had been raped within the premises of the presidential palace, President Mauko was glad. His administration had successfully evaded the issue of the ill-equipped women who had been slaughtered by the hungry castrated terrorists in the forests of Akure. The president wanted to know who the rapist was, who the victim was, where and when the rape occurred, and the concrete evidence. He wanted video evidence, if possible. He was quickly reminded by the men of the State Security Council that CCTV footage from Castle Lodge can never be released to prosecution for any case for the sake of national security. Chude Maoko, the president's son, went to his father after Chief Maoko had spoken to the press about his commitment to bring in whoever it was that had sexually assaulted the woman. That person must face the wrath of the law. Daddy, I am the one who was with the lady, the president's son said. Chude was drunk that night. He was not sure about a lot of things. Please, father. He pleaded. Not my not. I, I don't want to be castrated. His father did not talk. At this point in time, he was watching his man, Tafa Shemu, on TV as he talked about the rape allegations. This so-called rape victim should go to the police with all the medical reports, something concrete that could help the prosecution, because this government will not spare anybody, not even the president's son, brother, or anyone related to him. I know, says Shemu, that no family member of the president or resident of Castle Lodge will ever do such a barbaric thing. Daddy, please make it stop. Should they pleaded with tears in his eyes. Not my nuts. Fumi Shark was sleepless for over 40 hours. She had been to two hospitals, hoping to get something to help the victim. I, I believe you. I want to help you. She got tired at some point that she slept like a log in a taxi and missed her bus stop. She was in the taxi for over an hour. Chief Maoko looked his son straight in the eye and called one of the soldiers in the presidential guard. Chude should be locked up for two days. It was all part of the president's plan. The lady who had called herself a victim, 
had been paid to waste Fumin Shark's time. There was no rape. Indeed, that night, Chude had been with the lady for a few minutes, but did not do anything beyond trying to force her to dance with him. Even if Fumin Shark had been able to achieve the impossible and cause the public outcry, outcry that would pull the strings and made the president release video footage of the ladies' time at Castle Lodge. All that will be seen is a drunk man trying to make an unwilling woman to dance with him. In this case, the unwilling woman in the video will be a potential award winner, bringing out the best in the president's script. That was the thing about President Maoko and his team. It was always hard to know what is fact and what is fiction. Very soon, they will sit down again to work together another script in the life drama of Gulun Gulun. Thank you very much for listening today. Join us next time on The Land of Gulun Gulun. Thank you. This podcast is made possible by the media support of KBS Global Group.